Uh, so let's get into the bread and butter of our show here with what we've been playing. Like I said, we've got four games between the three of us in chat. You can always use the WWBP command to get a lineup of what those will be in case we're talking about a game and uh, we haven't mentioned the name in a little bit. You know it can be confusing sometimes. So let's start, uh, Vilos. you got two on your list. Let's start with you. Whoops. <laughs> I needed to make sure that the um, <laughs> the gummy worm didn't like go the wrong direction because, boy, it wanted to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I would say my 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 first one. Uh, I'll go ahead and go with Firewatch because I completed it over the weekend. It's it's a game that I just put off for no real reason. Um, it's a for good a long one. time, and it's fantastic. Um. It's so funny. It's so endearing. Um, the world that it puts you in is very simple. You know, like, you know what it is. You you kind of know the lay of the land before you even, uh, you know, set foot out of your, your uh, uh, what do they call it? The little lookout. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's a, a short experience. And it's just this entirely character-based uh, narrative that is just pulling at your heartstrings constantly. Um, I did fall in love with the uh, person on the other end of the line. Oh, how do you uh, not by the end of it? How don't you know? Like that is technically the point, but then I, I've seen no spoilers. Yeah. Huh? Uh, no, I've seen that there's technically multiple endings, but technically not. So I, I'm, I'm tempted to. Don't no so violence. I'm don't, not spoiling anything. No, oh no no no! I'm not worried about the spoiler. <laughs> don't replay that game, dude. I of all the games I've played, I really <laughs> liked Firewatch, and it is worth one mm. really good single play. There's sure. there's nothing replayable about that game. That's like the. Least I, I feel replayable. like that's the case. Yeah, um, but it's there, a good game, so it's not a knock against it. Just, you know, um, I, a, sorry, go on, yeah. go on. Oh no! I was just gonna say, there's like a there's like a whole subreddit sort of situation with it. It's like, it, what if I did just like let this conversation go though? Like, is that is that gonna change? You know what happens six hours down the line? <laughs> right. But, uh, well, yeah, that's it's, interesting. I didn't know there were like I didn't know the ending could be any different than the thing I experienced. Yeah. The um. It, it, I guess it's been proven that the beginning stuff actually doesn't change anything, but uh, there is some some gameplay moments because uh, in the very beginning it, you're you're doing dialogue with with your uh, with Julia, your lady friend, um, and just just for anybody that hasn't played Firewatch though and, and is is tempted to to get into it, it's on Game Pass, so it's it's hitting that that uh, indie indie group that uh, Game Pass hits mm -hmm. and. Um, Again, it's it's six to eight hour experience depending on how quickly you you gain traction on the map because you will get lost. <laughs> um, you will get lost at times because they purposely make it a little obtuse on how you pick up your map and and you can't move accurately while the map is still in front of your face. Um, but in the beginning of the game, you are set with these these choices of conversation with Julia. And uh, it sets this really somber tone, and it literally it, it says that you have to go out to this this national park and and be a lookout to just spend a summer away from your life uh, and your choices. And it's it's really phenomenal. Yeah. Um, 
It's almost like if if you're familiar with Stranger Things, it's almost like you're playing as Hopper, like for an entire summer. Oh, <laughs> like yeah. that is the character, Sob's favorite kind of dude. Uh, yep. To be a hundred percent honest, <laughs> I, I think the only time you see him though is at the very very beginning though, right? As far as officially seeing him, I think so. But then uh, the other character that you're talking to draws you, and oh, that is right. one thing that you can actually change to. And oh, okay, uh, but. But you're still definitely a bear <laughs> and mostly gingery. Uh, <laughs> and it's like he's he's Ooh. such a pleasant guy to play as. Um, it's really entertaining. Yeah. I really can't say enough good about it. Uh, it's that's like, on the short list moment. I'd put with like Journey and uh, mm -hmm. e even like Ori, even though that kind of kind of in a weird spot as far as indies go. Uh, I don't I don't know if it, Ori is an indie, but it's. I don't know. It kind of feels like it. Um, yeah, I mean, Firewatch, you know, people haven't talked about it in a while because, I mean, that came out probably like four? It was uh, 2016. 2016. Gosh, six years yeah. ago. Um, and there was a lot of a lot of good chatter about it, you know. Um, so for people who don't follow indie games, I know uh, one barrier to indie gaming is that if all of your friends only play mainstream games, it, it it can be difficult to know where to jump in, you know? Um, but hitting Game Pass is perfect because if you have Game Pass, you don't have to spend any more uh, money to get to it. And you know that we always stand for Game Pass. Sorry, Odysseus, for not having the command and chat for the uh, 18th podcast in a row. Uh, yeah, Firewatch is real good. It, it's what, probably like a six or eight hour game? Does that sound right? Yeah. I mean, you're the one who just played it, so I'm just speaking <laughs> off memory here, but... Um, yeah, Firewatch is such a treat, and uh, as as a funny little trivia bit, uh, there was there multiple times um, companies have gotten in trouble for using Firewatch's wallpaper artwork, thinking that it's oh I just found it on Google I can just slap it I don't see a logo anywhere, uh, but once you've seen it you know you recognize it so it was like a car dealership at one point got in trouble for using it. At another time, I think it was like some political party. Uh, every yeah. once in a while, political parties will stumble stumble in, into that. Yeah, I think it actually got on mailers, which is just the funniest shit. What a what? <laughs> it's because it's beautiful. Like it, it's got the lookout and the the orange and red hues, just really really pretty. Fall vibes, like a hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, let's see if I can get a car dealership though. Like, how does that like it's like. This baby can fit so much emotion in it. Like, <laughs> uh, let's see. I've got. I'm not gonna recrop this, but I will show it uh, to to chat here. This is the most iconic picture that gets used um, all over the place with the orange background, the orange sun, and stuff. Which, hey, I can tell you, uh, the sky's red like that because that's actually what fire season and smoke season makes the sky look like. So that's not just a pretty horizon. That's actually what the the smoke does to uh, need. A Firewatch. So fun, fun fact. But yeah, Firewatch is a solid game. Uh, very highly recommend. Uh, the funny thing about that game is, uh, the less you know about it going into it, almost the better. So like, I want to elaborate on so many things I enjoyed in it, but um, I hope that our glowing recommendation can be enough for you to check it out. Uh. Because it truly, it's kind of like, uh, I always talk about how Bioshock, the very beginning of Bioshock 1, is scary. And when, it, it was a very important gaming moment to me, 
playing that game because we picked it up off the shelf hearing that it was good, but we didn't know anything about it. So we didn't even know the genre going into it. Well, the same thing happened with Firewatch. So for a portion of the game, I thought it was going to be a different genre of game. People said the same thing with uh, Gone Home, which I've never played. Mm -hmm. uh, but there are elements where you're like, this is kind of spooky. Like, <laughs> is something going to jump out at me right now? And I will neither confirm nor deny whether that happens. Um, but it is interesting, <laughs> the uh, tension that they build uh, and the way they tell their story, because it seems like it could go um, in several different directions. But that's Firewatch. Go play it. It's on Game Pass. It's an indie, so I I can't imagine it ever being sold for over $20 anywhere uh, from this point on. Pretty much, yeah. Cool. Uh, then uh, what what if we skip over your next one and then we'll do me? Uh, could you tell us a little bit about Somerville, if I'm saying that right, because I'm just reading the words. <laughs> yes, uh, this one's going to be a quick one, but uh, for anybody that is interested in Somerville, uh, definitely check out Demo Duo's last stream from Tuesday. That's November 15th. Uh, they played a whole two hours of it. Um, but Somerville is basically War of the Worlds. <laughs> It is a very, uh, it's completely narrative-driven, non-verbal story uh, that's really, you're playing this dad that's trying to get back to his family after this absolutely wild alien, alien invasion happens. Um, it's completely filmic. It's, uh, a lot of people liken it to Inside just because of how it, it's a, a side-scrolling uh, adventure. But it's got that very specific cinematic angle to it like everything is so deliberate and so uh, like it's it's kind of a plotting game like like you with don't plotting with a d yes with a d like you don't get to you don't get to run around you don't have any kind of complicated controls uh the one thing i will say is that it it's unfortunately con contextual button presses <laughs> so like uh you kind of have to learn okay i should tap a or i should hold a or i should wiggle the stick until i might have hit the right angle to hit a <laughs> yeah like it, it's it's a little iffy on the control side of things uh if it if that that's like the one knock i have against it um because it's really puzzle based it's an, a puzzle based adventure that uh is all about the narrative it's just got these sweeping camera angles uh it's got several of those moments where you're like okay i'm walking through this this little um this little dirt pathway and then all of a sudden i the camera just just widens and you see the full scope of this uh giant field in front of you and and all these obstacles and potential enemies um and again there there's no combat uh it's really just solving puzzles and and watching things happen uh but it's it's really beautiful it's um it's really stunning at times uh and the the full game uh, I, as far as how long to beat and stuff like that says like you can finish it between five to ten hours and another relatively short game but, uh this uh, one i've got how long to beat pulled up uh says main story three and a half completionist four and a half yeah trust me no <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> like, funny. it's it's really seriously funny how long to beat um like that's gotta be somebody that knew exactly what to do because some of those puzzles will stump you at first just because they are obtuse and yeah. and demo duo will tell you that some yeah. of them are are not clear at first you're like hmm hmm i thought mm. that's how it went but hmm. but it, it's really good game uh i would 
anybody that that wants to play something very serious uh, and very sci-fi have at it it's really cool hell yeah and again it was a day one game pass <laughs> uh yeah yeah you can't go wrong with that um there's another game i'd have to look in my message to see where it was but uh what, what was the game that i kept mixing up with somerville it's the one that just got a 10 from ign that i think is also on game pass Pentiment. Pentiment. Pen- yeah Pentiment. uh for some reason, I'm mixing that up with this. They're not at all the same game, but I think that they have like tiny little bits in the in the like splash art that I saw that I'm mixing them up. But anyway, uh, that got such a high review, um, and and this one seems to be getting such high reviews too. This seems like a a really great time of the year to be playing indies. Also, there's a bunch of AAA games coming out right now, so um, that's tough. But it's such a wonderful problem to have going into the holiday. Um, you know, uh, I mean, so we're, we're what? We're a week away from Thanksgiving, and mm-hmm. it's a great time. Like, for me, uh, well, I live in Seattle now, and so this this year we're not uh, going to head back to uh, Kansas City to see our folks, especially yeah, since— Yeah, you've been to, like, 19 weddings, you know. Yeah, we, <laughs> yeah we've been to four weddings this year, uh, and three of them were in the past three months, so— uh, fortunately, when we were able to come back for the community meetup and everything, uh, we pretty much saw everybody that we could see. Uh, so that was really Any. dope. Um, <laughs> because, uh, you know, flying this time of year is like super expensive and stuff. But um, even even getting rid of like that stressor around the holiday, uh, sometimes when you're around your folks, uh, that can be stressful too. You know, there are plenty of times that you're with your family. Maybe your family's awesome. But sometimes you just need like something to get away, you know. Like for me, my I'm like my dad. We would go out of the room and just sit in the quiet in our computer room. He would read the paper, and I would just put my headphones on and like listen to music for a bit or something to just like unwind a little bit, you know, decompress. And uh, having having the Nintendo Switch as well as the Steam Deck, I think are great additions specifically for holidays like this. Because you can pull that thing out. I could, I could, you know, take my Switch with me and play Cult of the Lamb for 20 minutes uh, like it's no big deal. And if anybody wants to ask me about the game, great. But otherwise, I'm going to be over here in the corner for a minute doing my own thing. Uh, so indies are great, great for that. Um, so hopefully uh, all y'all folks out there might might have something new to play over the holiday, whether that's on the flight or, or in the in the computer room, as it were. Uh, let's see. So jumping over to mine, I've got, uh, one indie game that just keeps kicking. Uh, that game is Stardew Valley. Let's, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get my footage up here. So this is funny. We, um, it's cold out. It's finally chilly season. And so I'm in the mood for, um, cozy games. And one of my cozy games is Skyrim, but as I've talked about at length, uh, I like the idea of Skyrim a lot more than the actual game. Usually this time of year, I'll boot it up for a few hours, and then I'm good for another year. Uh, I'll probably do that. But really, I'd rather just listen to Lizzie play so I can listen to the soundtrack. Uh, but another good soundtrack and game uh, is Stardew Valley. Across the board, I got I got a Christmas playlist, actually, that has a bunch of Stardew on it. It's, uh, it's pretty swell. Um, but we booted up a multiplayer server here on PC, which is fun. Lizzie and I have played uh, before on Switch on multiplayer. Uh, but this one, I just wanted to throw something together. I told I told the crew that's usually in Discord that uh, I just wanted something lower commitment that I could pop in and out of with everybody. 
Um, and I was talking about how Stardew Valley is one of those cozy games for me. Uh, but I wasn't sure who wanted to play, how it was all going to shake out. Uh, so we made a World Together Shanny's been hosting. Well, Shanny, Shanny Pack and Odysseus NSJ here in our community, and also in chat, very industrious. Uh, Shanny's played the first year of Stardew many, many times. Uh, and this is, I think Od Odysseus just told me, he just corrected me yesterday on this, so I know I'm still going to get it wrong. Uh, I think Odysseus has played before, but not like, not like a lot, a lot. Uh, but as we've been able to tell with so many games we play, Odysseus picks up games so damn quickly. <laughs> so, there we are in our farm, essentially the three of us, and uh, Odysseus and Shani have been so industrious with the farming that I'm just like, nope, uh, I don't even want to touch it. Don't get me near the farm, I'll water your crops if you want, but don't ask me to plant anything, uh, don't ask me to buy any seeds. Uh, I created a character, all she cares about is uh, foraging and chopping trees. And uh, making friends with all the town pe townspeople, which is great because neither of those two give a heck about becoming friends with anybody. Uh, so I, <laughs> I typically uh, just go to the saloon at night, especially on Fridays, and uh, give everybody my gifts. You know how it is. Yeah, friends and lovers. And uh, I mean, that's like that kind of character, you know, just building connections and forging bonds and handling wood. You know, you know just another day. So, been really enjoying that uh, because Shani's hosting the world, so I'll play with them if I can, you know, when I can. They, they, most of the time, I've probably played with them like 80% of the time that the server's been online. Uh, so, I've missed a few days, but it's not a big deal, especially since I'm not the one farming. Uh, but that stuff is a whole lot of fun. I do want to say the footage we're watching right now, uh, I recorded today on a day one server because I forgot to hit record while we were playing. Um, you know, but uh, this is me running around planting and accidentally becoming exhausted on the first day <laughs> because I had forgotten that in multiplayer, uh, if you just go and stand on the bed, then your character will gain uh, energy as if they were sleeping. Uh, only works in multiplayer. So once I used all my energy, I just it's day one. I didn't have any food to eat to get my energy back or anything. So I, I went to the saloon and bought some bread <laughs> and use that to to finish out my day so I wasn't walking at one mile an hour. Um, but anyway, I'll, I'll have more to talk about Stardew later on um, in, in depth. Stardew is another top-tier indie game that you can play by yourself or now with multiplayer. It does not have cross-play, so be aware of that. Uh, but anybody on the same server, you can have up to four players. Uh, something interesting that we learned is that... Um, you have four players on four accounts, uh, but those four people and those four characters are the only characters that can ever join the game. So, like, Deadpool just bought the game when we started up the server. Um, but, unfortunately, he ha he can never join our server. Um, it's just, it's not possible, and you can't delete characters. So, uh, we are locked into the four of us, and only the four of us. So, that's something to keep in mind if you have uh, several people who would like to play together. Uh, but on Steam, where I picked it up for, I don't know, 15 bucks, I think it was, uh, it does have remote play, which means if you and your friends want to play together and you're always going to be online at the same time, only one of you has to buy a copy of the game. And you can just remote play in up to three people. Uh, remote play is wonderful on Steam. That's how we played uh, Heave Ho the other day on Demo Duo's portion of the Extra Life stream. 
Um, and and we've tried we've tried it with some other games to good effect, but uh, so highly recommend playing some Stardew Valley. Cozy game, tis the season, and uh, yeah. The the last time Lizzie and I played it was I think one or uh, two. No, yeah, last year. We always play it around this season, and uh, it's great for curling up under a blanket. The only thing I would say, I would say that playing on PC is easier. After you get used to it, at first the controls can be a little weird. Uh, it's difficult to describe, but uh, essentially I accidentally destroyed several crops because I swung my axe when I did not mean to. Oops. <laughs> accidentally. Accidentally. Um, yeah. huh. So there's that, but uh, the, there's no substitute for being able to play on Switch, you know, lying on your couch under a blanket. Like, for, for me, it's always with the, with the Switch up above my head. Uh, that's my favorite. So you can fall asleep and it just falls right in your face. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. That's where to go. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Stardew Valley, go play it. Uh, the uh, new Chocolatier game, uh, I'll look up um, when that's going to be out, but I think that comes out next year. I don't know. I'll, I'll give you information before the end of the show. I forgot to look it up. But um, yeah, Stardew is, is as good as it ever was. And uh, oh, I, I did want to say that since Deadpool got the game, but can't play in our server i do want to reiterate to people that uh there is no superior way to play the game like multiplayer is not inherently better than single player um yeah you get to play with your friends but you can't pause the game you know also things happen in the world that your friends do and not you and in a single player world you have full control over everything which i think uh is a great part of that game discovering things on your own um you know, so some games like Don't Starve, I love playing with other people because I can teach them. But Stardew, I think, is almost better um, learning everything yourself. And um, the ability to take it at whatever speed you want is great. You know, Odysseus and, and Shani going a mile a minute, and I'm walking around sniffing uh, the fruits and berries. It's, uh, it's wonderful. You can quote me on that. Uh, but yeah, that's Stardew. Uh, we'll be playing more of that in our Discord if you ever need something to pop in and just... Uh, Deafen up and watch. But that's all for me. I'll I'll have more to play or more to talk about next week. Has there been um any news on Chocolate Ear at all? Uh that's a great question that I can answer probably after you talk about Pokemon. <laughs> uh perfect. I'll get your your thing up here. So um okay. I have been playing um a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of Pokemon Fire Red but not as, like, intended, we'll say. Not as Nintended huh? by Nintendo. Huh? Um, <laughs> I have been doing a special challenge run called an Ironmon run. And moreover, I have been doing a special difficulty of that challenge run called Kaizo Ironmon. And um, Kaizo runs are derived from, like, really difficult, super technically challenging uh, Super Mario World ROM hack runs. So, um... The person who has invented this type of difficulty for this challenge run has taken that mindset and applied it to um, the Pokemon Iron Man run. So what basically an Iron Man run is, it's a Nuzlocke, which means that there's permadeath. You have to nickname your Pokemon and um, you can only have like a set amount of Pokemon, you know, each time. <laughs> but what makes it difficult uh, for the Iron Man run, specifically the Kaizo Iron Man run, is you can only have one Pokemon ever at a time, ever period um and so that's, that's, that's 
insane. Pretty tough. Yeah. <laughs> this like this vote has been described as it's not even supposed to be fun or fair. And I'm starting to get to the point where I agree with that. But it's been it's been a lot of fun so far. I've been streaming it so far um, on my own channel, which the footage of which you could see here. Um, I assume because I don't actually have the stream pulled. But... Uh, yep, you can see it right now. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, this is actually one of my favorite moments uh, during my run last time. I had a all everything that you get is randomized. So all your starters, all the wild Pokemon, um, everything that you faced in the gym leaders, like all the trainers, they all have randomized. Pokemon. And um, so you could just basically run into. Oh, I don't know, like a Raikou in the wild. Just sitting there, you know? But the fact that you have a Pelipper. <laughs> yeah, so the, the what happens in this clip is that I have a Pelipper with Drizzle, which is amazing because what Drizzle does is it summons rain as soon as you send out the Pokemon. Well, Pelipper's a water type. So if I have a water type move, then um, it'll be boosted in the rain by the power of the rain. But I also have Thunder. Or I'm sorry, I don't have Drizzle with Pelipper. I've dropped. I have Thunder. So Thunder, right? Um, speaking back to rain, gets 100% accuracy, right? So I'm like, okay, that's cool because normally Thunder has like 70% accuracy. However, my Pelipper has Draught, not Drizzle, sorry. It has Draught, which summons the sun when you send it out, which halves the accuracy of Thunder. So I'm sitting here like, oh, look at me, a Pelipper with Thunder. And then I realize, oh, I have Draught. Well, that's going to be fun. And um, I'm against a Lapras, which is weak to Thunder. Would be really great if I had some rain. But nope, I got the sun. Nope. <laughs> you know, that's funny that you would say that uh, because I have heard Odysseus in the past two days talk so much about how in Stardew, he's always, always wishing for rain and it just never shows up. So like what you're describing right now is a completely different game, but exactly the same like weather The dark sun. <laughs> like people are always talking about praise the sun. Well, I'm cursing the sun. Yeah. Like, this is too much sun. We're a curse the sun community in here. Let it be known. You could you could quote us on that too. <laughs> uh, so what ends up happening is, uh, you know, I'm using thunder and it's surprisingly hitting, but my psycho one just barely misses. This is for the listeners only, by the way, because I mean, if you're watching right now, you can see the footage. Um, it barely survives the second thunder with one, literally one sliver of health, and I'm over here celebrating because my thunder is like hitting, like despite the sun being out, and I'm just like, oh, okay, you know what? We might get past here. We're going to win. We're going to win. I even dab on the camera, yeah, which is something you do. I never do. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, it survives, and I'm like, oh, I dab too soon, and it hits me with a critical, uh, shoot, what is it, hyperfang. And I'm like, well, that's that's the way the cookie crumbles in yep. the Kaiser Iron One. So um, I've been having a lot of fun uh, with, with the series. Um, I, as you can see in the footage, I made uh, customized sprites. And that's me running around and me throwing the Pokeball and stuff. And then uh, my rival is Grand Pooh Bear, who is a Super Mario speedrunner. And also a he was the one who inspired me to do the Kaizo Iron one because he's doing one himself. Um, nice. So go ahead and check him out. Grand Pooh Bear. Um, spelled like it sounds. And uh, Bear the Animal, not Bear the Naked Ladies. And uh, <laughs> like he, he, is, he is a really cool guy, really cool dude. And uh, yeah. This thing is hard. You can't even... Okay, so you can't even heal, y'all. What? You can heal in Pokemon Centers, and you can heal with healing items you find on the ground. Oh, but you can't... But only during battle. You can't, like, buy any potions or You cannot like buy any potions or anything like that. You can't even use, like, the healing zones in the Lavender Tower or in Soul Cove. Like, you can't do any of that. And it's... You can't have any hold items. Like, this was not designed for you to have... All the, the boss trainers, quote unquote, are yeah. stronger. Like... They have more Pokemon. Hey, real quick, I, my first uh, I, I switched uh, the footage to be full screen. Um, <laughs> so everybody can see you dab uh, no! in, in high quality. <laughs> no! 
my hubris. And you're like, oh, it hit. Wait for it. Wait for it. We're going to wait for it. <laughs> I mean, that, that super effective was like 55% of that Lapras's health. But yeah, what happened is I got a high roll the first time. And then there it is. Low roll. <laughs> yeah. That's just good fun. How could this happen to me? <laughs> and it was like exactly with when it hit the one, just zoop and the dab. I was like, are you dabbing? Oh, no, we can't. Wow. Get out of here. Tragedy. <laughs> I think my favorite part of this whole challenge, though, is that we the first leader, uh, Bowser. So he's got his own custom sprite and everything, and like his name in the game and all that, and Kitty Tail. And um, so he's the one I've been losing to. Because he has, instead of the standard two Pokemon that the first leader starts out with, Kaizo Iron Monron, the first leader starts out with five Pokemon. And I only have one. Oh. Yeah. Easy. So, I mean, I could be one or two every time I get to him, but he's been loving this because this is the only way he can beat me in a Pokemon battle. So hey. he's just been like, <laughs> he's just been like teasing me about it. Like, I can't believe you lost to me. <laughs> I'm the Pokemon master. And I'm just sitting there seeding like, you. <laughs> That's wonderful. Uh, well, sweet. With a, with a high quality dab. Thank you. Thank that's you. right. Yeah, top tier. <laughs> top tier. Uh, well, wonderful. So that's. Uh, I mean, I've been I've been tuning in um, here and there to watch that. That's just so, that's wild to me for you to play something so tremendously difficult. Um, but it does seem like a really exciting way to incorporate all the like knowledge that you've gained over the years to be like you know it, it's a roguelike essentially. You're like, I don't know what's going to happen, but when it happens, I'm going to be prepared. One Pokemon That's a good way to look at it. seems crazy. <laughs> seems crazy. Uh, but uh, I know you can't talk about it this week because you haven't played it yet, but how much are you looking forward to the new Pokemon drop tonight? That's where I'm going right after this pod. Yep. Right to GameStop, which I say I don't, like, they keep trying to get me, like, that pro membership or whatever, and I'm like, I don't shop here often enough to use that. How many times have I been to GameStop this, like, in the past three months? And I talk about it on the pod. Look, I even went there today and I got the Splatoon, the new Splatoon 3 Amiibo that I dropped. Like, lol. Oh, they don't have small fry. Yeah, you got to give them your phone number, you know? That's, uh. Well, I know everyone who works there. Like, they're all my friends, but I already have them. <laughs> well, wonderful. Uh, cool. I'm excited for you. I told you I would get information on that thing, and I totally did not. <laughs> Stardew Valley chocolate game. Chocolatier. Let's see if Google gives us. Chuck. Stardew Valley me version. <laughs> Let's see. Haunted Chocolatier is the name of the game made by uh, Concerned Ape, who made Stardew Valley. Blah, 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 blah. I think this article is just from the announcement. Okay, we don't know when it's out. Um, Great. But I'm really That's looking funny. forward to it. I haven't even looked. I mean, the reason I didn't look it up before is because it's one of those it'll be it'll be here when it's done situations. I mean, Stardew has gotten uh, updates across its platforms now for for a long time, for much longer than I ever thought basically the one person who made the game uh, would spend. Um, I thought they would have transitioned all of their work to the newer projects sooner. But honestly, with how good and replayable Stardew is, that's fine with me. But anyway, uh, I don't have concrete uh, uh, information on the Haunted Chocolatier. But I'll be wa watching it like a hawk. Uh, but what do you say? What if we take a little uh, little mead break here? Carlos, you can uh, mention our sponsor. I'm going to go run and grab a snack real quick. 
Yeah, I should probably uh, re-up on it. Oh, you got it. Do you have an empty glass now so we can hear that <laughs> pour? That's right. I do. Uh, so, yeah, just a reminder, everybody that is out there, if you ever find yourself in the KC Metro area or in Wichita, why not? Uh, there is a place called Wildwood Cellars. They are uh, a sponsor of ours that uh, we just had a nice little casual uh, partnership with them uh, to let you guys know a little bit about their fucking delicious uh, product that they have. So, like, I cannot state it any clearer than that. Um, but in the KC Metro, places like Lucas Liquor, I know you can find Wildwood Cellars. Um, and they also have a really good shipping site uh, on Vino here that I will pull up. Uh, that, like, seriously, their their mead, uh, they've got a lot of different choices, including one of their newest meads is peach. And for those of you unfamiliar with mead, again, anybody that is of legal drinking age, uh, mead is a honey uh, fermented honey drink that is just absolutely amazing. Uh, it's very sweet, uh, decent uh, alcohol percentage, Typically around twelve and a half percent, or a little bit higher, and you get to feel uh, like uh, a Skyrim character, you know. <laughs> I mean, the shape definitely. Of the bat, y'all. That's right. <laughs> they squirted into the. <laughs> yeah, is that is that how it went? I was with you until the know. squirting. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> You're not gonna hear that on every pod, but you know, you know, my implied. you can't see my face right now, so you don't even know who's saying it. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so Wildwood Sellers, uh, again, I'm dropping the uh, Vino Shipper site here for anybody that's interested. They um, they do ship very well because uh, what I got was a, a six mead package that was has some really cool packaging um, that like perfectly fits the bottles. I, I don't even know how they how they did it, but um, they're known for elderberry concentrate uh, and their elderberry wine. And they decided to make some mead with their elderberry product. Uh, so you can find things like their elderberry mead, elderberry blackberry mead. Uh, if you want to go away from the mead stuff, there's tons of different wines. They've got an elderberry sangria, even, if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, just really anything that you'd like. Their their bottles are actually uh, on the low end as far as budget goes. Like You can find stuff. Um, I know if you find it at, at Lucas... Uh, you can usually get it twelve to thirteen dollars for a regular bottle of their normal mead, um, but most of their stuff um, sits in that fifteen to twenty range uh, per bottle, and it's just outstanding. Uh, I've really got to try out their um, try out some of their wines and stuff sometime because uh, they have three different places that you can straight up walk into, and, and they've got a couple tasting rooms and stuff. So. Yeah, hit up Wildwood Sellers if you are interested in getting some stuff shipped to you. Uh, go to that Vino shipper. They can actually, uh, de- depending on your shipping situation, um, they can even get stuff to you in like two days. Uh, I think it's all through UPS. So really cool. Um, it's been it's been nice to, to work with them this little bit, and I look forward to getting some more mead here uh, in the next few weeks because I kind of drank a lot. Um, but also you saw... Chris last week uh, drink. Oh my gosh, he's like, wow, we have all these tasty beverages. I know, I'll make an incentive to drink real fast. Uh, yeah, listen, I'm going <laughs> to remind everybody that that was a dumb decision. That was not ever my decision. I, I told know. him not to several times. He did it to himself. He's like, I'm going to drink the gross sodas, the uh, mystery <sighs> jelly beans, and drink this mead. All- I was like, 
back to back. I literally told him multiple times. I was like, it will get you fucked up. Don't <laughs> like that. It's it's alcohol. I'm going to have to go back what? and watch that vibe. So. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Who no, is it? He drank half the bottle in the first go. And I was like, bruh. You can tell there's a quick, there's a very visible change on when it starts to get, uh, as as either Odysseus or Russ put it, uh, both Lucy yeah. and Goosey. Yes. Was he speaking in cursive? <laughs> <laughs> the pinky's out. That's funny. Um, and like he had the elderberry blackberry, and that shit is delicious. It is meant to be sipped, and then when you're, you know, when you really are in that right spot, then you know maybe drink a little bit more, but. It's really good. Indeed. Uh, I'll mention it again at the show, at the end of the show, because technically we're on our little break here, but go check out our VODs here on Twitch for Extra Life. Uh, those will be available. Uh, they're still available from two weekends ago when uh, Vilos and Sav both uh, took a day, Saturday and Sunday. And then this past weekend when we had the Community Day where Demo Duo streamed on their channel, and then we streamed a couple games uh, over here on ours. And then this weekend, uh, originally I had a lineup prepared uh, that had several games, but now I've decided it's only going to be one game and we're going to play it till we beat it. You can probably guess what it is and I'll say it again at the end of the uh, show. So. Nice. Here, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab that other bottle here real quick. Glug, glug. We need an emote for that. In, uh, in World of Warcraft, the orcs say zug, zug. Zug zug. Zug zug. And uh, yeah, I, I would like an emote that's just chug chug. I thought, I don't know, a beer glass or, well, I guess a uh, glass of mead. I'm surprised doesn't have one for it. You know, now that we've spoken, it's probably someone just came up with it and Odie already subscribed in the past 15 <laughs> seconds uh, to be able to find it. He's got blisters on his fingers. I'm like, subscribing so quickly. Yeah. Well, chat, thanks everybody for joining us. Odysseus, always a pleasure to have you here in chat uh, with us as well. I saw Fuzzy up there. I saw Deadpool. Uh, who have I missed? I think that's everybody. Yep. I think that's everybody. Just wanted to give you a shout out. Thanks everybody for saying hello. Uh, tangent here real quick. Uh, Devolver uh, has a really funny tweet uh, right now. Uh, if Twitter shuts down, we're not going to beg you to follow us somewhere else, but you do have to buy every future Devolver release at full price until you die. <laughs> oh. oh, man. Isn't it a funny thing? If we if we just take it aside, because we are about to uh, dive into a little bit more serious territory here. Well, actually, it's, it's definitely more serious territory. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, what a wild thing to see what could be the collapse of a huge pillar of the internet um, before our eyes, you know, like it just keeps happening and we can all see it happening and there's nothing anybody can really do. And it's also like, what should we even try to stop it? You know, it's a train wreck that it's like, we could warn the conductor and the cars that are about to get hit, but um, maybe, maybe this one just plays out, you know? Uh Maybe we just see where the, the chips fall. But it's such a, it's an unusual thing. And I wonder if there's going to be anything like quite like this in the rest of our lifetime. Um, who knows? But but what an unusual uh, year it's been for Twitter. <laughs> a usual couple months. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's like the Tumblr all over again, except for happening much more quickly. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, yeah. 
Uh, what's, what's that meme? It's like, if I had a nickel for every time a major social platform had a giant collapse right in front of our society's eyes, I'd have two nickels, <laughs> which isn't a lot if you think about it, but it's weird that it's happened twice. <laughs> yeah. Okay, here, let me let me get this uh, this elderberry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just Ooh, I hear the glug glug. Oh, let's get this. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, Vilas, can I, can, I, uh, can I show just you on screen? Is that okay? Sure. Okay, <laughs> hold on. Um, 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 okay, here we go. There we go. Oh, oh, baby. Mm. I was the SM awesome. artist right now. Yummy. That was that was really nice. That is nice. <laughs> I really do like like the the newly opened bottle glug is like one of the most satisfying sounds. Yeah, ever. it is nice. Uh, so. Lizzie and I don't do it very often. We drink plenty of beer, but we usually drink cans because they're the most convenient to buy in a number that makes sense for us. Um, but uh, occasionally we'll get something really nice, usually uh, like a special a special something. When we had better access to Boulevard, or at least uh, better access to their like special stuff, um, we would get the, the bigger ounce. I forget what they're called, but essentially a tall boy version of, of a bottle. The Crowlers. Uh, are they called crawlers? Crawlers or growlers, either one. Well, I'm yeah. familiar with a growler, but I'm just talking about the ones that are like, it's just like a supersized beer bottle. A growler is like <laughs> yeah. big, you know, a growler is like a jug. Um, so it probably is a crawler because I can't picture what a crawler looks like. So it's probably that. Um, but we, we loved, uh, getting those because they're perfect to split between two people because sometimes they're, um, either so strong or they have just like a very powerful taste that it's easier to split up than to try to finish it by yourself. Uh, I, I just had a Facebook memory pop up that was from last year, or uh, sorry, two years ago, I times uh, a construct, that was of when we got the worth the weight beer from Boulevard, which is exactly what I just described to you. Um, the we, we popped that open. We'd been saving it for a while. Uh, we popped it open the day that uh, we got the play the PS5, and Lizzie loaded up uh, Miles Morales on the TV. And it was basically a snow day. We spent the whole day inside being cozy, hanging out with our cat and drinking tasty beers. That was a good day. That sounds like a good day. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we, well, whatever. We, you know, I'm looking forward to the holiday. We're up here, just the two of us. We've got some friends up here. Uh, but I, I am looking forward to cooking some food. Well, I'm looking forward to being hopefully not being in Lizzie's way while food is cooked. <laughs> I was about to say, you, you regretted that statement for a minute. Yeah, well, because Lizzie was here. You know, Lizzie's very nice about it, but um, <laughs> I, I'm just not knowledgeable enough in the kitchen to, to stay out of the way. So, like, I can help at the beginning, and then I just have to get the fuck out. Um, <laughs> which is exactly why, I like, from growing up, uh, that's always what the kitchen was at our holiday get-togethers. Like, I would wander in there looking for a beer or like a cookie when I was younger and immediately would be like, Oh, I got to get out of here. Like they, no one, well, I got to get out of here. <laughs> Don't even touch the green beans. Yeah, what are you doing? Like, I'm just like, Hey, does anybody need help? And they're like, uh, Nope, just need, just two, lots of people, just too many people. I'm like, okay. Okay. Uh, so we're looking forward to doing, um, uh, more, more cooking. Lizzie is really, uh, really good at that stuff. And it's wonderful having a partner, uh, like that where I get to reap the benefits. But, um, uh, yeah, looking forward to some indie games, good beer, and good food over the next week. Hope everybody else is too.
So I think good too. I'll just put that out there, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> You're a legit snack. <laughs> uh, so let's get into. Uh, we're back from our break. Let's get into. Uh, some more serious content. As we said at the top of the show, uh, the games industry always has uh, stories coming out. Since we do live in uh, a, a Twitter world uh, where it's very easy to get people's firsthand accounts of things that happen, um, you know, in the various corners of the world, game devs, uh, we've been able to see uh, people up and down the the chain of command, maybe. For uh, game development, there are lots of roles in that industry and uh, lots of different companies that uh, are, are very different shapes and sizes and treat their employees uh, much differently, um, sometimes across the board, sometimes on a case-by-case -case, uh, basis, as we'll talk about um, here in a minute. But uh, Vilos and Sav mostly headed the charge here, uh, living a little bit more in the Twitterverse than, than I do. Uh, you guys are more exposed to, like I said, those firsthand accounts of what's going on um, in the games world, because, you know, just any person can speak their truth. And so it's a lot, um, you get a lot uh, wider variety of perspectives when uh, some sort of gaming dramatic news comes out, uh, whether it's like a scandal uh, or good or bad or anything, you just get more of a look into the life of a game dev. And uh, where a lot of people see that as a dream job, um, you know, it's important to remember that the reality of that situation is that it is just like any job. It is a job. And that comes with uh, a lot of things that aren't pretty or a lot of, uh, you know, compromises and, and anything in between. But uh, we're going to look into some of the, uh, you know, the reality of what some of the game dev world looks like. Um, some of the negative things that have happened over the past few weeks or, you know, recent months. Uh, as well as at the end, I'm going to bring up some of the uh, good companies that uh, we want to spotlight. Um, because the games industry is not inherently bad, uh, but you need to know what you're getting into um, to avoid the worst offenders on some of these, uh, you know, repeat scandals. So, uh, Vilas, I'm going to hand over the reins to you. Yeah, there's there's a lot to be said here, but... I'm gonna, we're going to try to keep it uh, pretty pretty concise, and I, I think uh, me and Sav have some conversations on that final bullet point, I think, on our doc here. Mm -hmm. uh, so for those that aren't uh, quite familiar, a lot of the issues in the gaming industry over the past year or two have come from not only COVID effects on the workplace, but mergers and acquisitions. Uh, I, I've mentioned that before um, in some of our other topics and stuff like that, but this lets us... Tonight, let's just dive in a little bit further. Um, for example, I am actually at a job that was uh, my my workplace was uh, acquired, and I have seen constantly, and especially this week, how the effects of that go down uh, when when somebody is you know worth worth this set amount of money, and then this gigantic company over here says, you know what, I'm going to give you a stupid amount of money that you can't resist. Uh, and then everybody else that doesn't know what's going on is is left in the wake, uh, and a, a whole lot of stuff goes down, a whole lot of confusion, and uh, even in, in my personal experience, uh, which actually uh, doesn't even include like not even 500 total employees between the two companies, uh, we're seeing you know Blizzard, Activision, and stuff like that being. 10,000 plus employees that are affected and my 
acquisition after a year and a half is not complete. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's not complete. Uh, and and it, it's still, uh, it's not even a work in progress. It's janky. It's broken and things are trying to be fixed. Um, so in even greater numbers, it's it's so wild to see any of these companies still going. Um, but one one example that I thought was really cool, uh, I saw on the Friends Per Second podcast uh, last week, uh, Matt Booty, the head of Xbox Game Studios, had an interview uh, describing how executives and the non-developer side uh, deal with decision-making and budgetary and scheduling tasks and stuff like that, while the dev side is uh, worrying about knowledge transfers so sharing sharing ideas and concepts and tools that make their jobs easier uh and like they're at odds with the overall goals of the company um that are hey we need we need to hit this release date we need to do this we need to do that for the customer base or for our fiscal responsibilities you know um and and that interview was just a a really good taste of the corporate side that gamers and, and those of us that aren't directly in the industry uh, may not see uh, very often or or don't pay attention to um, in the Twitter sphere and things like that. And uh, besides that, uh, you know, Twitter and other social sources create a whole lot of negativity like you discussed, Tegan. Um, but some of these stories that, that we're going to talk about, um, you know, it's really important to hear some of these truths and challenges that are seen um, on that side of things so everybody can have that better sense of understanding and perspective because gamers <laughs> you know there's there's a lot of a lot of negativity based on emotion right it's we need we need to have a little bit of that that knowledge behind it to to realize uh, yeah there are a lot of people who game 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 about as much as we do but they don't know <laughs> what any of the industry looks like and uh a lot of people don't care you know, they only yeah. see uh, the industry as something that should appeal to players. They don't see uh, that that the people behind the scenes there are real people. They're just average people. And sometimes uh, the decisions, like you said, there's such a big difference between uh, the like marketing versus development sides of a company that everything might be totally great until the 90th, you know, until you're 90% through development and then marketing announces that there are microtransactions and suddenly, uh, you know, a developer is getting like a death threat from somebody who just hates microtransactions, you know, and it's just like, this is not, why would you speak to someone that way? And that's not their decision and they couldn't have done anything about it, you know? Um, so yeah, anything we can do to combat behavior like that, you know, uh, like I said at the top of the show, um, building a good community uh, is like building a garden. You've got to do a lot of things, and two of those things are pulling weeds and watering your plants. So we spend a lot of time uh, watering our plants, right? Nurturing the good. Uh, but this is one of those times where we really want to highlight, you know, we got we got to pull some weeds. Uh, because when people pull bullshit, whether it's players or companies, right, Those are those are real people. And uh, especially with like a Blizzard Activision, like you said, 10,000 plus employees, um, you can see in some of their business decisions that it becomes a numbers game. They're just, it's, when you have that many people, they're not people anymore. They're just a number on a sheet, you know, on a payroll. Uh, but anyway, I'm, I'm 
talking more than I even wanted to. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, what am I a doing? Lot of, a lot of the reactions that you were talking about, Tegan, like all of the vitriolic, like knee-jerk reactions and stuff comes, like all of that ignorance comes from people's perception, you know, of what the industry is and like who's behind pulling all the strings and everything like that. Mm -hmm. So um, like I agree, anything that we can do to, to enlighten those people as to what's actually happening and what's actually going into these decisions and all of the conversations and stuff that we have privy to, um, you know, the the better. Because um, when it comes to corporations like, you know, Activision Blizzard and stuff, I have some friends who work there. Like I have some friends on the Overwatch team and stuff. And so it's really hard for me to watch all of these people online just bashing and bashing and bashing um, all the decisions that they had nothing to do with. And I'm just like, well, well, even, uh, you know, in this specific context, it was tough with Overwatch 2 around the corner trying to decide if we were going to play the game because there were so many shitty things that had to do with Bobby Kotick all the way at the tippy top of the food chain. And some of the other people, uh, you know, Jesse McCree, who the character was named after, and all these other people who are like in different parts of the company, but they're all way up at the top. Uh, yeah. or they've been around for a long time. And so it's difficult being like, well, do we boycott the game? Because all, you know, you see tweets from the developers and they're like, hey, I put a lot of time into this. Like, I completely understand if you want to boycott the game, but I would love you to play the game that I just spent all of my time and energy and poured my heart into. I I'd love for you to see that. Uh, you know, so it's difficult because if you're boycotting the game, who who are you hurting? You know, and I'm not saying you shouldn't boycott. It's not that black and white, but it's just an interesting conversation when there are so many people who are not responsible, uh, potentially affected by the decision you make as a consumer, whether that means spending your money a specific way or going on Twitter and shouting as loudly as you can, you know, tough. And there's never a simple way, you know, <laughs> um, can I can I jump in? Can I read this one that uh, was the the last one you've got on here? Can I mention this real quick? Um, I guess. So uh, we're the we're gonna fight about it. <laughs> uh, maybe we'll fight about it. So uh, a bunch in the news of the past month was the uh, the original voice actor for Bayonetta. All right, um, she posted a video that went viral that was about her talking about. Um, basically being underpaid, like very, very, very underpaid for the work that she was expected to do. Um, so she ended up being replaced by Jennifer Hale at one point, um, or for, for Bayonetta 3. But she there was an outpour of support for her to be like, whoa, yeah, you offered her barely any money for a lot of work. Like, what happened? And um, the, the studio that launched Bayonetta 3 came out and they were like, hey, so... You know, this is kind of, there's more to this story here, and here's what it is. And so when that came out, it was like, uh, it seems like the original video was missing key context. You know, if we had a fact checker, it would have said, hey, this is missing important context. And so uh, it went back to Helena, to, if I'm saying her name right, that's how I've always said Helena. Um, Helena Taylor, uh, who posted another video and, and string of tweets uh, saying, you know, well, it was this and actually this part and, and all this stuff, which really didn't do anything except make it murky, made it really difficult and a spectacle of what was going on. Uh, because suddenly it went from being a pretty black and white, you rooting for the little guy situation uh, to being very confusing. But then it went on. She 
basically, I mean, maybe this is a dramatic thing, but I don't think it is. She, like, weaponized the support that she was trying to build for herself, for her case, and was like, hey, uh, boycott Bayonetta 3 and instead spend your money on um, any of these charities. And, and one of the ones on the short list was uh, anti-abortion. It was, it was an anti-abortion charity. And it's it's just like okay, so, like something uh, from Kentucky, yeah, yeah. Like, uh. and it's like <laughs> like it, of all places. If any of this hadn't been murky enough, like now you're taking any support that you had uh, to to go towards, you know, squashing women's healthcare. Uh, it's just like how did we get here? Like how did all of this play out? And and now it, everybody's just looking around, shrugging. Like what are we doing here? You know. Um, but that was especially difficult because you had like uh, Jennifer Hale. She tweeted that uh, she was like, she couldn't talk about it because of the specific role, like, because she's not in a, in a position to speak about it, uh, which is smart. Um, but that she absolutely believes in um, voice actors getting paid with their worth, which she has been very vocal about. She's literally been part of the labor union many times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was really difficult because that's that's an example of um, that conversation getting very murky as a result of having more perspectives. Uh, it seems like a totally avoidable situation that never needed to happen. Um, certainly not in the way that it played out. Um, you know, but that was that was tough because uh, through that we did get a look in uh, a look at what voice actors are paid and why they're paid what they are. Um, she went into her um, resume, basically. Uh, I can't think of the word right now, but she was like, I trained here and I did this and I did all of these things and those are worth the money to do this, that, and the other. But then she went on uh, to say that, or, you know, uh, the confirmation from that we saw in that Kotaku article basically said, yeah, the $4,000 she said she was offered was only one part of this package uh, of of voice lines. I'd have to pull up this article again here, but um, there w it was a lot less simple than here's a chunk of money and you have to do whatever we want um, for this project, you know. But I think she was painting it as an over overly simple situation, which does a disservice to anyone who's even trying to understand voice acting. Uh, because regardless of her position, it really made it difficult to understand um, what uh, labor was expected for what work or for what uh, compensation. I don't know. That's the one out of all these that I actually know the, uh, the most of. So, yeah, it, it was un unfortunate. I mean, there's, there's definitely two sides to see two sides to listen to and actually, you know, uh, for sure absorb. It, it's just unfortunate that she, she herself ruined. Her own credibility. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, she did. She did strictly say it was it was three or four videos uh, initially, and it was in one string on the first day um, that she's explicitly explicitly said four thousand dollars, which yeah. is basically one one session of voice acting. And then the the numbers came out with Jason Schreier's article uh, that she was it was multiple offers, and eventually as as much as fifteen grand. Uh, and as people that have been playing Bayo 3 know, uh, that's because Bayonetta herself is actually less of a, an important part of the plot in this game, even though it is the main character of the game. Uh, there are multiple characters and uh, a multiverse of sorts uh, for Bayonetta 
So it's it's not just about her anymore. Um, There's so it Bayonetta, Bayonetta, Beretta, <laughs> Sonata. So it, it's just wild how it all fell through. Um, and, and it sucks because this, again, is not something that's black and white. But again, like if you start doing things and saying things that are that are you painting yourself as someone that maybe we shouldn't <laughs> be uh, agreeing with, then man, why, why are we fighting anymore? Yes, tough. All I want to say is that Steve Bloom came to support Jennifer Hale, mm-hmm. and that's all I needed. I'm like, that's true. That's well, true. I mean, I was like, that's, that's the end of the conversation. I'm like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> judgment decided. <laughs> it is nice having uh, people like that who are so vocally on what I perceive to be the right side of so many of these arguments. Um, I, In my personal life, I've learned a whole lot about unions over the past few months. And um, seeing how important that has come to be in my work life, um, not just the implementation of it, but, uh, man, Kitty's really crying outside. Um, but the just the knowledge of collective bargaining, um, it's really nice to see people like, I mean, Jennifer Hale was on an interview, like uh, a group call in a conference at E3, I think two years ago. And uh, she got so emotional about people being treated or you know, being treated fairly and with respect, like to voice actors that she was tearing up on on the show. You know, um, like she has been such a hard advocate. Um, and it's nice when you have like a shining star like her who you can look to. Like for me, I can be like, okay, I probably agree with whatever she's saying. What's going on in here? You know, so it's really nice to have positive voices like that that you can trust. Uh, because sometimes the curtain is so broad um, in the industry where unless, well, unless you're on Twitter, so like I'm barely on Twitter, um, it's very difficult to really know what's going on. Like when everybody's speaking, it's hard to know who to listen to. So yeah, nice to have the Steve, Steve Blooms and the Jennifer Hales of the world. Steve Bloom, neon white, go buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. It's on Game Pass. <laughs> <laughs> so Sav, you've got another one that has to do with uh, with talent, artistic talent. Yes, and um, also misrepresentation of information. Yes, I do. Um, So one of the biggest things that has been going around recently is the handling of the Doom OST, which is not to be confused with the Doom background music of the game, because those are two different separate entities. You know, Um, they're all mixed a certain way um, for production of the game rather than production of like a disc or an album or anything like that. So I just want to clarify that right now for the OST um, that arrived with the collector's edition. It all started when I was a child. No. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, um, the collector's edition released with um, a product, the CD, or the soundtrack or whatever, that was deemed universally subpar, especially for the quality of music that we're used to coming from this composer, um, Mick Gordon. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, fans were just rightly perplexed. They were just like, what's going on? Why is it so bad? Da, 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 da. And so the uh, executive producer for, I can't remember if it's id Software or uh, Bethesda. I can actually just pull up the article right here. Because there's yeah, so Bethesda. many changing hands. Is it Bethesda? Yeah, because yeah, okay, there are so many changing hands, like so much conversation going on that like it's easy to mix up like who's saying what. Um, but basically, Marty Stratton, 
um, who is in software's executive producer, um, came out with like this super long, basically a novel. It was like 1,500 words or 1,000 words or something like that um, on Reddit that was just like, so this is what happened with the, with the collector's edition soundtrack. And it was basically a bunch of gaslighting, disinformation, finger pointing, basically everything that said, we did everything in our power to make sure that the product was final. But, you know, Mick Gordon was a baby, blah, blah, blah. I mean, paraphrasing, obviously. But uh, so that's what happened. You know, that was the whole start of the whole thing uh, is Marty finger pointing and gaslighting and misinforming the masses about the production of the CD and how it ended up the way it did. Um, and what ha, ha, makes it so hard to... is right. <laughs> direction i thought you were going but i'm glad you went that way <laughs> um but the way the way that he made it so convincing was that he peppered his giant essay with like you know a little bit of the industry background you know like oh, the conversations that they had um what contracts were discussed and things like that to make it sound like legitimate like oh okay well obviously he's providing to like both of the perspectives of the, the concerned parties here's the information that was exchanged blah blah, blah. so i mean a professional gaslighter does this like breathing. So, of course, it was very convincing and people were inclined to believe his word. And so they started harassing uh, Mick Gordon. Naturally. To the point, naturally, as the internet does. So um, it got so bad that Mick actually came out with um, a rebuttal. And um, this rebuttal basically points out all of the errors and like the, it was basically a fact check, you know, um, on the original claim by marty um first of all we found out that mick never actually approved the release of the the soundtrack because he understood that it wasn't going to be the quality that it should have been um and secondly we find out from him that he wasn't even approached to be like to offer his work on the soundtrack until after it was announced uh yeah what they they he had already been listed as a contributing artist on the soundtrack before he was even informed or approached to be contracted for the work that would go into making that's the soundtrack. Fun fact: he didn't get paid for eight months. Right. And I was gonna. He, he probably just works for free. <laughs> I mean, so it, yeah, that's what you do. That when you're it's good enough, you just give away your talent. Um. Right, Helena. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's uh, rough, you know. Uh, that it's not the same, but it's uh, similar when the Halo debacle happened um, with uh, Marty O'Donnell. Uh, there was there was weird stuff going on there where it was just you know a similar situation where you have the composer basically versus management in some ways, uh, and it comes down to like exactly what you're saying. Like there's licensing issues and uh, who owns this, and at what point was this supposed to happen, and all this. Um, it's interesting that that's like some problems in the industry are they have, they have a lot of people on both sides, you know, like uh, management made a decision and it affected all of these employees. Uh, but with something like this, it's interesting that the, the artist that they use, so Mick Gordon, is one person, you know, and they're one very important person. So like for them not to have asked for, to have been like, oh, yeah, Mick, Bor Mick Gordon's on board. It's going to be great. Yo, Mick, you want to do this project? Uh, 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 like, like, excuse me. The epitome of doing the group project with like none of the work, right? <laughs> That's rough. Uh, well, where, where did uh, 
where have things fallen on that? Um, I mean, is is so after, uh, the, after the whole like debacle, like um, you know, Mick came out with everything, you know, debunking all the the falsehoods and everything that Marty had claimed to be true. Um, Bethesda actually came out with their own public statement, which is you know the corporate wall of text, TM, trademark. And shoot, I did have it pulled up here. Dang it. It's it's the other one that we can expect. Uh, Chrome, I like that you're here in chat because uh, there are two walls of text you can expect. The, oh, God, we got to put out this fire wall of text. <laughs> and, well, I guess this is the same one, just in a different color. Uh, the, hey, we've got to push it back our release date wall of text. Yeah, yeah, this right, one was right. not by CD Projekt Red, just a reminder. They, too, are notorious for freaking employee crunch and everything. Like, it's just, it's the worst. Yeah. It's the worst. <laughs> Um, thank you for inviting me time. I found it. I found the, <laughs> the statement. So this is what they say in their wall of text. The recent post by Mick Gordon both mischaracterized and misrepresented the team at id Software, the development of Doom Eternal, Marty Stratton, and Chad Mossholder with a one-sided and unjust account of an irreparable professional relationship. So already, you know, doing the techniques. Yep. You know, the, the, the brushing it off, the like, we're just going to take that attention and put it elsewhere, you know, finger pointing and all that whatnot. We are aware of all the details in history in this matter and unequivocally support Marty, Chad, and the team at its software. We reject the distortion of the truth and selective representation of incomplete facts with actual quotes. In a, in a corporate statement, y'all. Really? So tactful. Sneer quotes. Tactless. You don't need Like, them. literal quotes. In the, you don't... Anyway. We stand ready with full and complete documented evidence to disclose at an appropriate venue as needed. So legal threats. Is this how you run a business, y'all? Like, I know that glitches are, are like, their thing. You know, you play a Bethesda game and there's a horse cartwheel in the air and all that whatnot. Like, but <laughs> there has to be. For, for their company to, like, glitch out like this? Is that, like, is this a feature, not a bug, too? <laughs> there are so oh. many red flags in, like, the first two paragraphs alone, and there's two more. So I'm going to hit you with those. Yeah. Uh, the statements posted online have incited harassment and threats of violence against Marty Chad and the id Software team. Any threats or harassment directed towards members of our teams will be met with swift and appropriate action to protect their health and safety, which is reasonable. Um, you know, I mean, we were talking earlier about how threats like against people's health and safety are like definitely not appropriate courses of action. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad. I'm glad that they actually, you know, are concerned about protecting their employees. Like, at what cost? You know what I mean? Yep. There's a lot of whataboutism happening here. And it's not really helping the situation. It's like you said earlier, it's all of these big people pointing fingers, making it murky. Yeah. You know, we don't really know who to believe. Uh, they go on to say, we remain incredibly proud of its previous collaborations with Mick Gordon and ask that fans refrain from reaching conclusions based on his account. And more importantly, from attacking any of the individuals mentioned on either side including Marty, Chad, or Mick. So here's the whole manipulation tactic come to a close. It's like, none of this is our fault, but also don't blame the other guy, please. Like, we're definitely the good guys here. But like, it's, it's saying like, okay, here's the final word on it. Nobody says anything else. Nobody, don't, this is over. <laughs> yeah, no, nobody, go. Yeah. <laughs> this is not an appropriate venue. We have the documentation. Like, so... I just don't, I'm always one who's inclined to believe someone who stands to lose the most 
from whatever's going on. So in this case, it's Nick Gordon. You know, his whole professional relationship for anyone in the future is on the line here. Why would he have to lie about anything that um, is represented? Especially you know? when he said he was offered a six-figure, undisclosed six figures. Uh, to right, yeah, to he got offered hush money. That's like the biggest thing. <laughs> Marty offered him hush money. And you know what he said? He said, the truth is more important. And I'm proud of him. Oh, because... legendary. Because <laughs> everybody's trying to get the bag right now. You could take the, you could take the six-figure salary now, but then where does that leave you in the future? Are you going to be still making that bag later in the future? This way, he secures future businesses and transactions with other studios where he can make that six-figure seven more over time. So, And he still has his integrity to boot. So good on you, Mick. Yeah. Mick makes uh, good music. He even played at the Game Awards a few years ago, if I recall correctly. Uh, I don't remember what year, but I remember. Yeah, I, I want to say two years ago, but I don't know. I keep saying that. Apparently, my memory of the past, <laughs> whether it was six years ago or last year, it's always two years ago. Two years so. ago. Time's contract. That's right. It's two Martian years ago. Thank you. Oh. That That's what <laughs> I was going to That's what I was gonna say. Please don't look up uh, the conversion for Martian. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, it's 360 years. Okay, cool. Uh, Violet, what's next? I got a couple more on here. Uh, what? What is next? Let me see here. Let's see. Oh yeah, the Disco Elysium. I I didn't read up on this as much as as I wanted to because there's so many. It's there's literally re so reading many articles the, these it. articles made me tired. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, just, just so everybody knows though, um, you know, we've, because we've invested so much into talking about Disco Elysium on this podcast, right, right? I feel like it's a thing that to talk about, um, definitely you and Chris probably, but, um, the, there was, there was not only a writer breakup, but the, the actual, uh, I think it was the top, the top three creators uh, attributed to Disco Elysium as far as the the narrative designers uh, and the the overall concept of Disco Elysium, uh, you know, post the release of the final cut, even uh, and the announcement of the Netflix series and and oh, all these things that. That, were, that were bringing up Disco huge, you know, uh, the three main talents, quote unquote. Uh, were fired. Um, multiple stories came out because they were fired for misconduct. Uh, they did try to to tell their own stories and say that it, it wasn't misconduct, but at the end of the day, uh, the multiple devs saying exactly what happened yeah. <laughs> kind of, kind of uh, paint the story a little clearer. You know, um, and something that's interesting about that, uh, Disco Elysium is a game that has a lot of shitty people in it on purpose. Exactly. They're supposed to be shitty people. So, uh, so they were being written from life experience. Got it. Well, <laughs> but, I mean, it's it's tough because, I mean, there I'm sure there are plenty of characters in there that don't have, you know, that have negative characteristics that have nothing to do with any of the people on the team, or at least those three people. But then there's like, there are several times in the game where the game seems like misogynistic and the characters are supposed to be that way. So it's, it's not an accident, you know, that you're supposed to feel a certain way about those characters. But then when you find out that the devs seem to be treating women poorly uh, regularly across the board, like as their MO, you know, 
it this it's the uh, rule, not the exception, then it completely throws the whole game into a different context where it's just like, oh, wait a minute. If you were a shitbag <laughs> during the making of this game, where am I supposed to draw the line of like, oh, it's okay for me to like Separate playing this game with shitty characters? <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, but yeah, to have so many people come out and pretty much say the same thing that like, yeah, they treated us badly. Um, and that they're all the way at the top again. This is like, I mean, it's kind of like what happened at Blizzard, except to, to a much uh, more concentrated degree, a much smaller company, um, a lot more creative control from those three people who got fired. Um, so yeah, without them, I don't know what happens to their other projects. I mean, People have signed their names on the dotted line, so I don't know. I don't know what happens next, but what a mess, man! Um, there is no doubt. Like to to what extent they were things bad, that's up for debate. But the fact that like bad shit happened at that workplace, I don't think there's any question that uh, that would have not been a good place to work at. You know. But uh, yeah, anytime a new article would come out, I'm just like, wait, is this the same one I read before? Oh no, this is another rebuttal. To the, to the claims from before. Um, yeah, it just, uh, it's rough when, I mean, we talked about one of the reasons that we want to um, discuss this issue today was that uh, for people trying to get into the world of game dev, it's important to have a realistic idea of what that'll look like. And unfortunately, uh, game development is just like any other industry where um, there's a pretty high chance that toxic masculinity will be the regular workplace culture, you know? Um, and unfortunately, a lot of times, especially how acquisitions happen um, and layoffs happen, that people can come into a company having no idea there's a problem until it's already too late, um, you know, which which really is why Twitter is useful. Uh, it's interesting as an aside watching Twitter itself having employees like be like, hey, this thing's kind of bad. And Elon Musk like replies to them and is like, you're fired. It's just like, wow, this is could this be more toxic? Like, you're saying the quiet part loud, you know? Um, but it's just, uh, you know, an interesting thing to see the behind-the-scenes perspectives. This one, like I said, the Disco Elysium stuff made me tired just reading it. <laughs> and, and, like, the funny thing is, like, this isn't just, you know, Jason, Jason Schreier reporting. The, the report from Kotaku was actually from an Estonian newspaper called... <laughs> Easty Express, which, you know, if Estonians, uh, sorry if I mispronounced that, but <laughs> they literally said that the some of the reasons why they were fired was limited to no engagement in their responsibilities and work, including not working at all for almost two years while still being paid by the studio and forcing their colleagues to compensate for their lack of effort. Like, Bro, like that's almost as bad as the misogyny and actually like just shitty treating of your coworkers. Yeah, it, it's wild. Wild. Uh, well, don't go work for them. Their company seems to be falling apart. So, uh, no problem there. <laughs> the complete opposite of Elysium. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. What's the disco Hades? I don't know. Um, disco <laughs> disco Tartarus, maybe. That that's really roll off the tongue the same way, you know. Um, Unfortunately. Oh, actually, I forgot that Elysium is actually in the game Hades, lol. Uh, <laughs> well, like, Elysium canonically is in the underworld, isn't it? Yeah. It's like a, it's like, yeah. It's so. essentially heaven. It's basically heaven for yeah. 
uh, souls it's and like, old Greece and stuff. It's like a circle of Hades, basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's, uh, yeah, that's a bummer that that would play out that way. Um, and it's even tiring just to know that that stuff is happening and will continue to happen. Um, but hopefully these things will become uh, continually more transparent because people, uh, especially, well, it's easier for people who have experience, who have a resume built up, uh, because they can af they're more likely to be able to find something, you know, to land on their feet if uh, shit hits the fan. Um, you know, but being able to see regular people's opinions on this stuff is, is really nice uh, in an important way. Uh, so we've got one more on here. Um, more Matt Booty, who you talked about earlier. Uh, did you want to say anything else about, well, I guess you did talk about it earlier. You just a, a little, yeah, I, I did, did talk about that earlier. The, the cool thing is that, you know, with, with all the negativity, uh, we do have some positivity that, that, uh, interview with Matt Booty. Again, that was, um, I was on the friends per second podcast with a, a few cool people that, uh, you might already know, um, from from other things like the the completionist or game rings and stuff like that we've got some really good uh hosts on friends per po friends per second podcast uh but matt booty also described the the cool positive things um like how uh this whole corporate situation of all these companies being bought up by microsoft uh helped the game studios in general just become something new and refreshing and and have that feel of uh, a more indie scene, uh, like the the people that are working on Fable now. Uh, it's Playground Games. They are known for Forza. <laughs> like everybody knows that. Like if you're if you work on five to ten Forza games, and you all of a sudden go to Microsoft and you're like, guys, I I uh, I got this idea. I want to bring back Fable. <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> they they like generally they would be laughed out of the fucking studio right uh but they weren't they came with something uh something refreshing and something that was still familiar they love fable and they uh they gave a an in-depth uh really strong uh concept of what they wanted to do and that's how playground games got to work on Fable and they're, they're doing all this work right now that, you know, we don't know how it's going, but Matt Booty described that he he's absolutely in love with what they've done. Uh, and it's, it's all with the, the power of collaborativity that they've got with all these studios that are coming together. It's like the, the one silver lining of buying, you know, <laughs> dozens of studios and, and putting them into, to one talent base is you, you do find these gems that, uh, you know, when introduced with just a little bit of extra money and extra resources in general, they can do something amazing. And, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing Starfield. I mean, we, we, we shut on Bethesda enough already, but we're still seeing Starfield and, and some of these other properties come up, um, out of this, out of all these mergers and things like that, uh, perfect dark coming, uh, and like the big studios are learning lessons like they are with Halo Infinite absolutely failing in in a lot of ways being successful in in the the front part of it like the the release of halo infinite was great and i think the number was something like 23 million uh players in, in that first like week of i mean but uh, the game uh, was i mean a lot of people certainly it was, played it i would still it call it a pretty rough rough launch <laughs> it was great at first though and but then after that first month it's like 
oh, everybody starts losing that that uh, that luster, you know. Um, but they're learning. They're they're constantly evolving what they're doing. They're not sitting back like uh, you know a uh, Microsoft of old or, or fucking Infinity Ward or some. Yep. The, the battlefield devs you know the madden uh, devs you know they're yeah they're not sitting there and going well we released the game that's all we really needed to do <laughs> they're they're working on it and they're trying to make that the live service work for them uh, oh. and for the the gamers you, you know? know this here's pretty relevant because uh, i was thinking about how concerned ape is basically basically one guy i'd have to look and see because concerned ape is his like moniker so i'm pretty sure that he is just one person and not uh a group of people. But uh, I remember when Matt's, Matt makes games, which yes. uh, I forget what they're called now, but they made Towerfall Ascension and Celeste. Turned out Matt sucked. <laughs> it turned out that the guy who founded it was awful and the rest of the company gave him the boot. They were like, yeah, your name's in the title, but we there are more of us than there are of you and we, we all made this. So we're kicking you out and we're going to keep making these products that people love. Uh, so they renamed the company and they continued on. And um, now I don't think of anything about that guy except for the time he got kicked out of his own company for being toxic, you know? Um, Imagine being mutinied against in this day and age. <laughs> well, we're, I mean, I it's will say it again. We're, we're watching it on Twitter right now. I, I, you know, I know that's not gaming related, but we're straight up. Twitter is such a fascinating thing for all the reasons that we're talking about in this topic. Um, but, you know, it's you get such a personalized look at uh, things that are usually hidden. Um, sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's bad. But it's never not fascinating, I think. Uh, but, yeah, even when stuff is bad, uh, whether it's for a big company or a small company, um, there's always a good chance that you can find... Uh, well, you could just get lucky, first of all, and, and just work with good people, because sometimes that happens. Um, but uh, there are companies that you can look out for, or certainly you can watch for good business practices um, to be able to know what you should be looking for in a job you want, not the job that you have to take. Uh, you know, And the thing with hunting for a job is that you can't always choose. You don't always have the luxury of uh, getting your first choice. So um, I, I picked out three companies to look at uh, for for things that you as a worker should expect if you're getting in the game dev and that you should uh, hold your employer to a high bar. Uh, in the order that I took them from this uh, GameIndustryCareerGuide.com article, which is uh, titled The Best Game Companies to Work For in 2022, they use a website called Glassdoor, uh, which seems to rate, you know, it's like rate my professor for, uh, for, for game devs. Or, well, for you know, it's like Indeed almost. You you rate the company that you work at, uh, and it's publicly available. So in the, the rating site that I know of and use. Yeah, and uh, the the three that I took in in no particular. Uh, the first one is Take Two Interactive. They are a huge company. Uh, they're a publisher. Um, their most famous games are Bioshock, Borderlands, Grand Theft Auto, Red Dead, and NBA 2K. Those are bangers of games. Those are huge franchises each one of them a franchise uh they're formed in 1993 uh from a tiny little startup uh and according to the data that was pulled uh from this year this article is, is uh very recent um this uh glass door data says that 87 percent of take two's employees 
said they had positive reviews of the company, which is great. 87%. That is an overwhelming number. You know that they're doing something right there. Um, if that many people say good things about them. So according to Glassdoor, whopping 87% of employees would recommend Take-Two to a friend. Positive employee reviews mentioned that Take-Two is a, quote, great place to start your career and that upward mobility poses uh, upward mobility poses new possibilities for career uh, growth, unquote. Less positive reviews indicate grueling hours and no respect for work-life balance, which I think is a big risk that you take uh, jumping into any big company especially. When they're, you know, it, it's hard to uh, change direction in a ship that's really, really, really big. And the danger with a company is they might make a promise that you, now the developer, have to work crunch time uh, to uh, to meet. But uh, overall, Take-Two has uh, a lot of positive reviews online uh, from a workplace perspective, uh, which is nice because lots of similar ones, um, even though a lot of people at Blizzard say they're happy to work there, You've got scandals like the ones we've talked about, which make it uh, complicated, you know. Another one here is Naughty Dog. We love those guys. Most famous for Uncharted, The Last of Us, Crash Bandicoot, uh, Jack and Daxter. And I thought I had one more, but I can't remember what it was. But those are all bangers. Everybody uh, everybody knows The Last of Us, whether or not you've played funny it. That one's on the list, though. What's that? It's still a little funny that that one's on the list, too, though. What, Jack and Daxter? Uh, no, the just Naughty Dog in general. <laughs> oh, right. Uh, well, so let's see. So this says that according to Glassdoor, because I only took the ones that were uh, overwhelmingly positive, 83% <laughs> of employees recommended to a friend. Uh, while some employees describe working at Naughty Dog as a world's top first-party developer and a dream come true, both quotes, uh, others advise that it is not the best place uh, for people with families due to long hours and overtime. Yeah. Like <laughs> Chrome Naughty Dog's hiring. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, you know, crunch time, that's um, something that's become more and more common in games. And um, that's why we need labor unions, if that's my personal uh, opinion about it. Uh, because crunch time sucks. And sometimes you just have to do it because it's in your contract, but uh, it destroys your work life balance. And I am a big advocate for work life balance. Um, let's see. Uh, while Naughty Dog, uh, do they care is the question that they ask on this website for each of the. Um, reviews they have because they've got things that are good and bad so it's like they're good do they care maybe they're bad do they care no uh well naughty dog says do they care while naughty dog might require a lot of overtime uh they try to make up for it by offering employees a generous benefits package that includes uh, a chance at additional pay bonuses not to mention free dinners for employees working late at the office uh so that is nice you know uh i didn't expect that number to be so high 83 percent on on that uh but it's good to hear uh, Naughty Dog makes some really wonderful games, and it's nice to hear that the people who work for them are happy about it. Uh, one that's not on this list, but because I saw Naughty Dog, uh, Santa Monica Studios seems to be a pretty good one to work at, uh, anecdotally. Yes. Um, we love them. Uh, I would go look them up, too. But, uh, yeah, they just made God of War, which uh, just launched last week. But I've pretty much only seen good things about Santa Monica um, yeah. in the past. So they'd be a very good one to... Look into business practice-wise. Uh, but here's the third one, and here's the one that I, I'm probably the most conflicted of about these three. third one I've got here is Bungie, uh, based out here in Bellevue, uh, just uh, stones throw away from me. Um, founded in 1991, Bungie, yada, 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 did a bunch of game stuff. Uh, they, of course, uh, really blew up with Halo, which we just hit the, what, the 20th anniversary for we just did a big huge 21st 21st that's right 2001 
Um, They're old. They, yeah, you know. <laughs> uh, let's see, founded Wait, in 1991. Uh, right now, uh, Bungie has a 72% approval rating, you know, from their employees. Um, I, I did see some stuff recently uh, of uh, employees not being treated very well. Like, um, I mean, unfortunately, normal workplace stuff, but it just sucked. <laughs> I mean, not everybody wants to work for a games as a service either. Uh, that Destiny is cool, but like, how do you how do you make shit new? How do you make a game a what was it a like a five billion dollar license and a ten year yeah plan? Like, it's wild. Yeah, at the, yeah. At that point, it's like, how do you even qualify the game? Because uh, is it a game or is it just a living thing, you know, because it <laughs> why is Destiny a Two a sequel? <laughs> right, right. Uh, why is Overwatch Two a sequel? You know, it's the same game with new voice lines. It's it's fun. It's got plenty of changes, but it's the same game with new voice lines. Um, seventy-two percent of their people uh recommend it to a friend. Anonymous employee reviews say the company cares deeply for employees and that it's an excellent culture for career growth in mind. Which, based on um, the stuff I've seen online up here. Uh, I would agree with. I've seen anecdotally a bunch of people uh, say that they've run into people out in the world who saw them wearing like their bungee shirt from work, uh, and they were excited to be able to say positive things about their workplace. Um, essentially, calling it a dream job. Um, so you'd love to hear that stuff. Uh, let's see. However, recent reviews call for leadership to improve, saying crunch has become a regular occurrence again. Crunch sucks. Uh, Hopefully, you know, you can just get compensated for it, but sometimes you can't say no to it, which work-life balance. Uh, and that the work-life balance can be awful at times, depending on where the current development of the game is. Yeah, so that's tough. Um, but yeah, uh, those are those are three different companies. I know uh, Valve, depending on the day of the week, seems like it, both a good and okay place uh, to work at. Um, there, there are more uh, examples on this uh, website, which I will link here in the comments if you want to read uh, what I did. But uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully in the world that we live in now, we can approach, uh, while we share our truths, we can approach uh, a gaming industry that is more transparent. I think we're already seeing that. Um, it's always going to be progress, you know. It's always going to be work to make sure that happens. But uh, there are really good companies to work for. Uh, I just mentioned three huge companies to work for. Um, there are lots of indies. You know, as long as you've got a reliable indie studio that's not just going to immediately run out of cash or has no idea how to manage its people, um, then, you know, fingers crossed that that'll work out. But, um, yeah, uh, despite all of the examples, and we could talk about so very many more of uh, terrible things happening in the games industry. Um, you know, I hope to shed a light on people hoping to get into the game dev uh, to take a realistic approach to it and remember that uh you know when you do the thing that you love uh don't get burnt down on it don't let people take advantage of you you know you might be doing it on nights and weekends as crunch approaches so uh make sure that that's the thing you really want to do so where where would you like to uh where would you like to work dev wise well, it's like I would love, I actually had an opportunity to. Uh, I mean, besides the the one time I did work with them, I mean, like, be a Nintendo employee. Um, it was right after Smash Four had come out on the Wii U, 
And um, they were actually hiring for like my district, like my area. And, but they were hiring in Wichita. And um, they had they ended up going for someone who already actually lived in Wichita. Because we both had we both had reference from the same Nintendo employee, but oh. they decided on him because he already uh, lived there. And I was like, sad. So great. <laughs> Sometimes it'd be uh, like that. Yeah, but I still I still did become a brand ambassador for them for like half a year. So that was really nice. Nice. What, uh, would Pokemon uh, Company be on the radar? Um. Well, I do have a, a reference in there. I do have some people. <laughs> um, there are some things I would have to take care of first before I'm able to do any of that. But um. Well, hey, yeah, uh, Pokemon Company. Move up here to Seattle. There is uh, no shortage of games jobs up here. That's for sure. So, so who are you friends? applying for? Today? I'll be right back. <laughs> um, I don't know who I would apply for specifically, but there are a whole lot of indie studios that are up here. Uh, I know back when I was first job hunting when we moved up here, um, I think you sent me a link uh, to the Risk of Rain dev who just lives oh, yeah, yeah. again. Um, I, they might be like in Bellevue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they really, it's a tw uh, 20-minute drive. Um there are just so many studios up here because it's a tech city, which is funny. Seattle's infrastructure for tech is actually not very good. <laughs> the internet here is not very good, whether it's like mobile data or like home internet. Uh, so that's really ironic. Um, also, like there's Seattle proper, and then there's like Bellevue and Redmond, where most tech companies are based. And it's dramatically different between the two. Like when you go across Lake Washington to Redmond and Bellevue, it feels like you're in Silicon Valley. Uh, it does not feel like the rest of Seattle. Uh, so it's remarkable how different it is. Um, but there are so many tech companies over there. So, so many. But I would love to uh, work for one of those small companies if if I was trying to work for a, another games company. You know, I, I made the joke about working nights and weekends. Well, that's what I do with party invites. So I'm afraid that if I go in <laughs> and work for an actual game dev, that uh, suddenly w this thing I love so much won't be quite as... Uh, you know, fun and um, whimsical as I want it to be. So, and, and yes, Lord Chrome is is right on my choice. Monoliths would be great, but uh, I'm pretty sure they don't hire non-Japanese people at all for that. So, uh, unfortunately, creators of Xenoblade are out of the picture. That would be amazing. Uh, Chucklefish is, is definitely one I would love to work for. Uh, oh, makers yeah. of War Groove and Eastward. And they publish um, the, uh, they do a lot of localization. I know they localized the phone and Switch versions of Stardew, just off the top yes, of Yes, they did. Hey. That is correct. And um, yeah, Ninja Theory would be fucking amazing. The Senua Saga, like, oh my God. Man, talk uh, about a company that is like, uh, you know, true blue. Like they're they're true to their cause and their roots, and they're very public about the things they have strong opinions about and stuff. Um, they love, like they make these games that are made by uh, people from like. What am I trying to say? I forget where Vikings actually came from. What's the peninsula called? Uh, with with like the Netherlands and Norway and stuff. Scandinavia. Yes, Scandinavia. Thank you very much. Yay, I got it. <laughs> um, you know, they're very true to their roots up there, and it shows in, in a lot of ways. Uh, I love when you see the behind-the-scenes stuff that we've seen at some of the big shows, the E3s. of the. Of Dude, the... literally, if if I could have been the documentarian that did the behind-the-scenes stuff for any Ninja Theory stuff, that, that would have been fine. 
I was so close to to uh, applying for the job when it came up for uh, Saga, but the job opening was literally open for like a week because it was just Such overflowing. Such high demand. Like uh. Melina, like Melina Jurgens does her own videos a lot of the time because that's what she was was the video editor. But like when you're the star of Senua's Saga, she's like, well. I guess I have to do mocap and maybe I'll do a, a a documentary thing later, but yeah, it's, it's wild. Um, so did you just miss the window to apply? Oh no, it's, it was, um, I was, I was just overwhelmed with how quickly it, it was, it closed and I could not build up any kind of resume at the time to be like, yeah, I, I totally deserve that. Yeah. Right. Oh my God. Me with the next That's week. <laughs> Like I literally waited to like the last moment to apply for that. I was just like, okay. yeah, it's like you see the opening, you're just like, ah. that's funny. It's wild. Uh, well, wonderful. Well, hopefully we can uh come back again here soon with some more positive examples of uh what's out there in the gaming world. There's also no shortage of that. You know, sometimes it looks like there's scandals uh abound. Perhaps there are. Uh, they certainly get shared more than a lot of the positive stories. But we'd love to bring some of those positive stories to you as well. Uh, so stick around. We we pride ourselves uh, here at Party Invite on having a positive spin. You know, uh, we like to be as tilt proof as we can. Uh, you know, sometimes context matters on that. But uh, could you say that? You know what? Banned. Rage quit. <laughs> Alt F4. Uh, but thanks everybody who stuck around for the podcast. We've got played up coming up after this. Uh, but we want to thank again our sponsors at uh, Wildwood Meadery. Uh, with Vilos drinking. Wait, what is it? What did I say? Wildwood Cellars. Wildwood Cellars. That's why Vilos handles that, because he knows how to say <laughs> words. He also knows how to read. Uh, you can put that on your resume, if you'd like. Tegan just swings his axe at the script. <laughs> That's all I do. And I sniff uh, fruits and berries, all right? That's that's the only uh, job experience I've got. <laughs> Uh, but thank you, uh, everybody, for sticking around. Uh, again, we have Extra Life continuing this weekend. We've had two uh, back-to-back weekends of games, which you can find uh, on our Twitch right now. Uh, we'll make sure to get those VODs up on, um, up, on, up on YouTube so you can go back and watch those later. Uh, but we will be uh, streaming again from this channel on Saturday. I had some different games in mind that I was going to play. Uh, I'm excited to play Sifu at some point, but it's not going to be this weekend. Um, yeah, I've got I've got some other stuff lined up. But we've talked so much about me needing to beat Spelunky 2 by the end of this year. We're only playing Spelunky 2 this Saturday. We're going to marathon this game, I kid you not, until I have beaten the game. And if I can't do that in a reasonable fashion, we are going to open it up to co-op so that we can cheese our way through Spelunky 2. We are Somebody better beat that game on stream. Somebody's going to beat that game on stream. <laughs> I don't stream. care who it is. I might be a ghost, uh, you know, in the wings when it happens. Um, somebody else will be the one to defeat the final boss. But uh, I'm really excited about that. Uh, I have some incentives, but you'll see that on recording day. Um, basically... How can you sabotage my stream? Um, how can you prevent me from achieving my one goal? <laughs> uh, I want to complete the game. Will I uh, find out on this week's episode? So uh, that'll be on Saturday. That will start at 10 a.m. my time, not central time. Uh, so that's 10 a.m. Pacific. Uh, so tune in for that. I'm really excited about it. I haven't binged one single game that long in a long, long time, especially not uh, a roguelike. So. Central. 
Yep, that would be noon central. Uh, so really looking forward to that. Shout out again to uh, Bats um, on their channel as well as Demo Duo, uh, both here on Twitch. Bats is a, uh, if you could drop a link for those, uh, Vilos for String Bats channel and for Demo Duo. Uh, Demo Duo streams every Tuesday. They stream a game um, where they decide if they want to watch, play, or pass. They play a different game, usually one that's come out within the past two um oh that's cool i forgot the shout out feature it popped up it says hey do you want to follow demo duo that's handy i don't know bats's channel i do it for that one too uh string bats i thought, it was, I thought it, oh, oh there's no s uh, yeah i believe it's no s uh so string bats uh is her name but not her twitch channel uh plays dead by daylight and she is a z tuber so go check her out there's a cool down there's there's her channel Oh, I see. Yeah, it'll be off in a minute. They also play Overwatch now, just a reminder. Oh, yeah, they do. Uh, you can also go follow Odysseus NSJ, who you see in chat here, who's trying to raise $50 on our Extra Life team to unlock a Mario 64 Chaos run. It is chaos. It's basically every mechanic um, that you've ever seen in Super Mario 64 uh, randomly refreshes and resets every, I don't know, like 30 seconds or something. Odysseus showed me a video of it, and it is insane. So I would love to raise $50 on Odysseus's link um, to see that. I'm really hyped. So thanks to everybody who's donated, who's tuned in and lurked, uh, and to everybody who's contributed as a player or um, a fundraiser. We really appreciate y'all. If you'd like to find all of the things Party Invite, uh, go visit our website, partyinvite.games. That's got links to all of our socials all of our videos, and a link to our wonderful Discord where we play a very wide variety of games. Uh, yeah, we do stream a whole bunch of stuff here on Twitch, but we play even more things uh, more intimately on the Discord. So we'd love it if you uh, come and hang out with us. So unless either of you have anything to say, that'll be it for this. We'll hit a little BRB. Uh, we'll get played up, uh, up and running. But thanks, everybody, for tuning around. Tuning around, that's not a phrase that people say. Thanks wow. for hanging around or tuning in. This has been Swing the party of my show. Again. Yeah. <laughs> Catch y'all again next week. Episode 90. Yeah, baby.